be uh, cast out by, by prayer and fasting. And so we talked about that, and we talked about how prayer and fasting is not just something that you should do haphazardly, it's not something you should go into lightly, that prayer and fasting is open warfare against the demonic. Like, it's you standing out on the battlefield, because prayer and fasting always has a purpose, it's always looking at something, saying, I want this to stop, or I want this to start, uh, and so you pray, you pray and fast for that purpose. It is, it is spiritual warfare on your part, uh, against the darkness. Uh, and so we talked about that on, on Saturday. Well, on Sunday, church like normal, uh, and then we're eating in line, uh, and I'm at the end of the line, Mr. Jackson's back there, and, and I notice someone walk in. And as we all know, if someone walks in, it's the pastor's job to be the shield. Uh, and so I, I looked at someone who was obviously homeless, obviously uh, a homeless lady. Uh, she was very, very thin, uh, skin was very, very dark, very dark, uh, just tanned skin. And so I went over and started talking to her and, and you know, said, hey, you know, wh- what are you doing? She said, I'm very hungry. Uh, and I said, okay, I said, we got food here. I said, how'd you, how'd you, get, how'd you end up in bags? You know, what brings you here? And she said, uh, I was just walking and then I, I was here. And I was like, okay. I was like, well, come get something to eat. And took her to the end of the line, uh, into the tables. And Mr. Jackson is standing there in all his resplendent glory. Uh, and uh, she walks up and he said, and she starts to get a plate and he says, howdy. And she stopped and, and looked at him and she said, I'm supposed to bow to you when I meet you. And she pulled her little shirt out in a curtsy and, and bowed to him. And Mr. Jackson responded with, huh? Uh, <laughs> so she said, I'm supposed to bow to you. The Pope told me to. And so, and then he, of course, then went, what? Uh, and turned his ear sideways and, and, and she threw her hand over her mouth and she said, and she just mumbled something. And I said, no, no, he just can't hear you. I was afraid she was embarrassed or something. Like that. I didn't want her to be embarrassed because it's always embarrassing when you curtsy in front of someone and they don't receive a well done. Uh, so I didn't want her to be embarrassed. And she turned around and, and I said, he just can't hear you. And she turned around and she said, no, none of you should be able to hear me. I'm mute. Uh, and so I was like, okay, uh, do you want a sandwich? Uh, and so we started to get a, a sandwich and I said, do you want some, we've got ham, we've got turkey. And she said, oh, I, I can't eat that. All my teeth have been knocked out. And I went, oh, okay. Like not all my teeth are missing. All my teeth have been knocked out. And I'm like thinking, okay, now I understand the life that this lady has lived. My teeth, and I, my teeth have been knocked out. And so we went, I think we got a mayonnaise and mustard sandwich and uh, went through. And I, and I, you know, I told her, I said, hey, my name's Chris. I've been the pastor for 15 years. Just trying to get to know her. And she looked at me and said, my name is, and she said, probably nine to 10 names that I've never heard in my life. Uh, but just nine to 10 names. Just I'm, and then she just kept listing names and more names and more names. Uh, and in my head, I said, so you are legion. Uh, now, Mr. Jackson says I said that out loud, but I don't remember saying it out loud, but he said, I heard you say it. Uh, so, I mean, I don't think he's lying. And um, at that point, I think we were pretty in tune with the spirit of what was going on. Uh, and so I tried to get her, to, so I, this is obviously going weird. So I, I tried to get her to sit down and interact with believers so she can, you know, see normal life and life, like all that stuff. She didn't want to sit down. She wanted to go back outside with her stuff. So she went out back outside with her stuff, had a trash bag out there. And, and I went with her and just sat with her and, and was talking to her. And 
we, you know, just jibber jabbered. I mean, quite, I guess quite literally for a little bit. And, and she looked at me, she stopped and looked me in the eyes and said, are you Jehovah? And I said, no, because I am not. Uh, I went, no, no, my name's Chris, a pastor here. I've, it happens a lot. Uh, but no, just, just Chris. Uh, and uh, she, she's, uh, she then stops and says, do you know Islam? And I was like, like Muslims? And she said, no, Islam is a man. He hunts us. And I was like, okay. And I was like, no, don't know Islam. Uh, uh, you know, and then, then she got very paranoid. And she started looking around and she said, I can't be around anybody who's going to hurt me. And it was just me and her. And I was like, yeah, I was like no one's going to hurt you. You're fine. She said, I need to go. And she got up and she started to walk. This is all happening under the, the little carport under there. She, she started to walk away and, and, you know, I'm feeling bad for her. And I said, and also creeped out. And I was like, have a good day. And she stops like on a dime, turns around and st- just anger on her face, turns around and stares at me and says, K is not my name. K was my mother's name. And I was like, okay. Uh, and I was like, well, have a, again, I don't know how to repeat it other than say, have a good day. Uh, but she would walk. And as she was walking away, she'd take four or five steps and turn around and just start cursing me. Just start cursing up a storm toward me. Take four or five more steps. And she did that all the way from under the carport to across the street. I watched, I, I walked up to the doors and started to lock them. Uh, and I watched her reflection because I wanted to make sure she didn't just spaz out and start running toward me. And I have to show her, I know jujitsu. Uh, but, you know, and she started, but, but she the whole way until she got to the street, she crossed the street and then she stopped. She stopped cursing and she went and she sat under a tree. It was not a fig tree, but she sat under a tree uh, and ate the, the rest of her sandwich. All that's super creepy and really weird. But what's the weirdest part about it is when I got back and I was thinking about what happened, I was like, man, that was obviously demonic. I remembered that girl that we had read about the previous day, the spirit that can only be cast out by prayer and fasting. That little girl, the demons had made her mute. And so then I was like, <laughs> you know, then I got the heebie-jeebies because obviously I've never in my life had anybody come up and say, you shouldn't be able to hear me, I'm mute. Uh, but especially not a day after reading about how demons made a girl mute and the only way to overcome it is, was through prayer and fasting. So anyway, all that to say, they know what we're doing here, right? Uh, and to say, this, this is why what we're doing is so important. There are, there's a real spiritual world out there Real spiritual warfare, and the enemy knows what's going on here, which is why we need to take what we're doing with the Word of God and take it seriously. We are soldiers. We are in a war, and sometimes the enemy reminds us very clearly that we are. So let's stand together and let's read some of the instructions uh, of our Master and Lord and prepare ourselves for battle. 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 4. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. And all the people answered together and said, 
All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. All right, you may be seated. We are, if you'll remember, we are in a war against spiritual forces. Ephesians tells us, Paul tells us in Ephesians, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. This, The reality of this war is picked up by Christ in His model prayer when He has us pray, deliver us from evil. Deliver us from the evil one And part of our deliverance that the Lord works for us and in us is that the Lord equips and instructs us of how to fight against these spiritual forces that will come against us. And we've been looking at some of our motivations, our actions, all the things that we can do that, that as soldiers uh, we desire our aim, as we saw here in 2 Timothy, is to do what is pleasing to the one who enlisted us. That if we're going to be good soldiers, a good soldier, desire their desires, their dreams, drives their motivations is I want to please my enlister and if we're going to be good soldiers that has to be our desire beyond our our actions this has to be what drives our actions this is our motivation so if you and I if we want to fight well in spiritual warfare against real forces that convince people that they are mute and wander them into churches in the middle of begs uh, if you want to fight well in that spiritual warfare that uh, either is going to come against you or in this spiritual warfare uh, that you want to take against the darkness, then you need to know what pleases the Lord. Because that's supposed to be your aim. You can't aim for what pleases the Lord if you don't know what pleases the Lord. And so we've been looking at the things that the Lord tells us are pleasing to Him. That's why we've taken that 2 Timothy 2 passage and used it as a jumping off point. Because we don't want to say, hey, okay, soldiers, your aim is to please the Lord without letting you know, hey, the Lord tells you what's pleasing to Him. And to go through the things where the Lord explicitly says, these are the things that are pleasing to me. And so we've been looking at these things, figuring out how to apply these things to our lives. Pretty pretty basic ideas. Things like it pleases the Lord when we fear Him. But the fear of the Lord is pleasing to the Lord. So we looked at what it means to fear the Lord and how we do that. We're now looking at how the, the Lord tells us that it pleases Him when we love Him with all that we are and we love others as ourselves. And so now the last couple of weeks, we've been in the process of, of looking at how we love others. We've seen what it means to fear the Lord, to have faith in him because we're amazed by his glory and holiness. We, we know that. We've seen ways that we're to love him, love him with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, with it, that we belong to him and to him alone, that we are his and we are humble that we do good and we plan good, we pursue good, that we have righteous lips, that we walk with our, with our mind on pleasing to Him, on, on pleasing Him, not pleasing ourselves. Those are all things that we saw are ways that He says, this is pleasing to me when you love me like this. Now we've been looking at ways to love others. Ways that the Lord says, it's pleasing to me when you do this to other people. Just passages where he says, this is not, uh, and of course there are a replete number of passages we pull out and say, this is also pleasing to the Lord because he commands, I'm just, we're just looking at passages where the Lord says, this is pleasing to me. So we've seen that we're to do justice, to love steadfast love, to, to do good and to share. We've seen that we're supposed to, last time we saw that we're supposed to operate out of brotherly love, not pagan lust. That we're to be honest, we're to be faithful. These are the type of things that, that aren't just good character traits. They are, they are war directives from our king. These are things we must do. And must do not just to be good people, 
but things we've got to do because, because we desire to be good soldiers. This, this, the, the, there is a war-footing intentionality to those actions that we listed. And we need to see them as warfare. We need to see doing good as a, as a uh, you know, shots fired against the kingdom of darkness. We need to see being honest, not just as noble, but as offensive. We need to see these things not just as good manners, but as combat maneuvers. So let's continue this a little and see how this trajectory is, is going to grow as we see this brotherly love put into practice in more ways. Uh, turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. We're going to see another thing where the Lord says, hey, when you love each other like this, this is pleasing to me. So here the one who enlisted us is going to say, you want your aim to be to please me? Here's what pleases me when you treat each other uh, like this. And what we're going to see uh, first today is it pleases the Lord when we love one another by caring for one another. We love one another by caring for one another. And this could have gone in our sharing section, as you're going to see. It's going to be very similar uh, to what we saw there. Uh, but these are, these are two distinct verses. And I, I didn't want to add, I didn't want to put caring and sharing uh, in like one, one thing. One that seems a little bit too Care Bears-y uh, to have caring and sharing. But also it's two distinct, two distinct verses. So we're going to take them distinctly. Uh, so where do we see that it pleases the Lord when we care for one another? Start, start uh, well, actually, you're going to see it in verse 18. Look at verse 18. We're going to see that, and then we'll, then we'll walk backwards a little bit. Verse 18. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. So let, let's walk back. Go back to verse 10. Let's get the context of this. You go back to verse 10 uh, and look at what it says there. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly now, that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. So Paul has just had that famous section right before this. Just look at the verses right before this. That famous section where he says uh, about rejoicing, that rejoice in the Lord always. And again, we'll say rejoice. And now in verse 10, he is the one rejoicing. So he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And then in verse 10, he says, I rejoice. So he's not a hypocrite. He says, I rejoiced what? He's able to rejoice because of their concern for him. Look at verse 11. Not that I'm speaking of being in need. Here's another famous passage. For I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So Paul's saying, now, I, don't, I didn't really need it. Uh, what he needs is contentment. I know I didn't need your provision. What I need is contentment. And if I have that, I, I know I'll be, uh, be fine. And, and what a, a lesson for us when we talk about what we need. And we say, I just need blank and just need extra sleep i just need extra help i just need extra hands i just need extra time i just need extra fun uh whatever uh no what you need like paul says paul could have listed all the things that he needed but what he understood he needed actually was contentment and that's what we always need we need contentment and if, and if you don't have that none of the others will be able to fulfill the void of what you might uh, also actually need but paul has contentment 
And so he knows that he could have made it. He could have made it without them supplying and, and caring for him. He could, have, he could have done it. I could have, I could have made it. He, he's learned that he can make it no matter what the situation, whether he's got a lot or a little. And here's where he gives that famous line, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So Paul is saying, now I know I could have made it. And here in verse 14, one of my favorite verses in verse 14, he says, yet... It was kind of you to share my trouble. I love that. I just love that. I could have made it. I didn't have, I was content. The Lord's taught me to be content. I know I can, I can always make it in anything, but could I have gotten through it? Yes, but it was kind of you to share in my trouble. And, and here's where we start to see some of the care. It again combines with the idea of, of sharing that we saw that they shared in this case, not just instead, they shared in his troubles and not because they had to, it was a kindness. I could have made it. I, I can't make it through, through anything. But it was nice. It was nice that I didn't have to test that, right? It was nice that I didn't have to, you know, remember we saw that the word temptation is the word stretching. It was nice that I didn't have to see just how far I could be stretched. So I didn't, I didn't, I know I can make it even at rock bottom, but I don't necessarily want to find the bottom to prove it. And that's what Paul is saying. I could have, I could have made it, but it, it was kind of you that I didn't have to. As you shared in my troubles. He didn't have to test that. Why? Because, he says, of your care for me. And, and what was their care? Look at verse 15. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. So, so they, Paul says they had given him funds to supply his needs so he could keep doing the work of the ministry, the start of this good news of the, the gospel. And when he, when he left Macedonia, they did it. When he was in Thessalonica, uh, the Philippians here, uh, were, they were there giving him help once, he says, and again, once and again, you were there. And that's, that's what gets us to the context of verse 18. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. So, so what they did, the, this, this care that they showed for him was pleasing to God. And again, it was the, the care that was, was more than just a thought, more than just, I, I'm, man, I really care about you. It was a care that was an, that was an action. It was, it was more than just warm wishes. It was warm provisions. And notice, not, not even just the bare minimum. Paul says, I have received full payment and more. I am, uh, I am well supplied. Such a sacrifice, Paul says, tells them, was pleasing to the Lord. As they took, I mean, you can, you can certainly know that the progress of the gospel that Paul was taking into these lands of darkness, that was very much a spiritual battle. And they took part in that by their care for him. They enabled that spiritual warfare to advance by their care for him. And not just a, a minor care, not just the minimum care. He was well supplied. So the Philippians care for their brother. This brotherly love in action was pleasing, Paul says, to the Lord. For us that teaches us it is pleasing uh, to the Lord when we love one another by caring for one another, by seeing each other's needs and meeting those needs, knowing, do we have to? 
No. Can they make it even if we don't? Yes, of course. But it is kind of us to share in the troubles of one another. So when we care for one another, both emotionally and then in action, that is something that pleases the Lord. So if you're looking at loving your, we know that the Lord, it pleases the Lord when we love one another. One of the things we have to make sure that we do is that we care for one another and care for one another, not just in heart, but in deed. Such a sacrifice on our part that supplies the needs of people and well supplies them and more is a sacrifice that is pleasing to the Lord. So what pleases the one who enlisted you? It pleases the one who enlisted you when you care for one another. When we care for one another, that pleases the one who enlisted. That's how we are a good soldier. So uh, we see brotherly love. Not lust, we see honesty, we see faithfulness, we see caring for one another. I just want to pull us back into last week. So we see all these sort of teardropping uh, off one another. And then we've got, we've got one uh, final uh, sort of section that talks about uh, in terms of, of loving our neighbor. It pleases the Lord when we love our neighbor by honoring our parents. All the kids just went, oh, great. Uh, their head just whipped up like this one's for me. Mom and dad, you don't have to listen to this one. It's your turn to take a nap. Uh, it pleases the Lord when we love our neighbor by honoring our parents. Now we know, we know that the Bible says that we're to honor our father and our mother. This is the first command that God actually promises a reward for those who, who keep it, that it may go well with you and your days may be long on the earth. But, but honoring our parents, we're also told, is explicitly pleasing to the Lord. Turn to Colossians chapter 3. We're going to look at two different categories. First, we're going to look at in the category of children. That when children honor their parents, how can children honor their parents in a way that the, the, the Lord says explicitly, this pleases me when you do this. Colossians chapter 3, go down to verse 20. Colossians chapter 3, go down to verse 20. I'm definitely letting the kids get a chance to turn there. So they'll hear it and see it if if they're turning. Listen to what it says. Children, obey your parents in everything. For this pleases the Lord. So so children have have a particular role in doing something pleasing to the Lord something specific for for their time in life. It pleases the Lord when children obey their parents. Here Paul in in Colossians is is giving us what's often called these household codes, these these rules for Christian homes. This is how Christian homes and households are are supposed to operate. You've got rules for wives and rules for husbands. You've got rules for slaves and and rules for masters. And you've got a set of rules in there as well for children and for fathers. But, but in this rule for children, we, we see Paul say that children obeying their parents is pleasing to the Lord. So if you're going to be a good child soldier of the Lord, then what you need to do, children, if you want to please the Lord, is you need to obey your parents. So what's pleasing the Lord? It's pleasing the Lord when children obey their parents. A couple notes. This is focused on children. Uh, although adults, as we're going to see, are still required to honor their parents uh, since they are no longer under their uh, father's roof uh, when they get married but have their own house. They, they don't have to obey their parents because they're going to see they're not, they're, not under, they're not under them anymore. So it pleases the Lord when children obey. 
Now, the, the word obey there, uh, children, is a combination of two words, the word for under and listen. When you listen under. So the idea here is to listen. When you listen under what they say, the idea is that you're not just listening, but you realize you're under them. So you're listening under. It's something you need to not just listen to, but realize you're under what they say. You're listening under. So put yourself under the words of your, of your parents. You are, there's an obligation. I am listening so that I might do. That's why the ESV, for example, translates it obey. Because that's the, that's the idea there. You are listening under what they say. So children, it pleases the Lord when children obey. And, and how much? Uh, of what they say, do you need to listen to? How much of what they say do you need to obey? Well, what does the Bible say? When you obey, children, obey your parents what? In everything, right? And, and sometimes we wish that in everything wasn't there because we like to set our own bar and our own standard. Here, it's not, and again, it's, it, it's really just the word there in the Greek is just the word all. Of course, we don't, we don't use the word all in that way, so they translate it everything. We just don't use it, uh, obey your parents in all. We could add all things, but things we'd have to supply as well. So they said everything. So obey, children, all that your parents say. That's pleasing to the Lord. You want to be pleasing to the Lord? Obey all that your parents say. This is why this good standard, you know, when your parents say you do something, what do you say? Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. You obey all. And that's the standard for what pleases the Lord. And that all, I've got to tell you, that all is an important standard. It pleases the Lord when you obey your parents in all, not some. And not even, and not even in the most. He says there, it pleases the Lord when children obey their parents in all. And I say that's important because uh, spiritual war happens in the small area of your life where you don't want to obey. Uh, of course, there are times uh, and seasons where it may seem like you don't want to do anything your parents say. But the battle, I assume for most of you, that is not your normal way of life. You're obedient children, holy to the Lord. The battle comes... Not in the obey your parents. The battle's going to come in the obey your parents in all. The battle's going to come, spiritual warfare is going to come in that all that you don't want to do. So obey your parents in all. Set that all standard for yourself uh, and that will protect you. And we'll talk a little bit about that even more in just a second. And what's funny is Paul says this exact same thing in Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul says the exact same thing. Ephesians chapter 6, you've got, uh, you've got the same rules. Wives submit to your husbands. Husbands love your wives. Slaves obey your masters. Masters treat your slaves righteously and fairly. Same thing. And the same for children and for fathers. Children, obey your parents. Fathers, don't provoke your children. Uh, so children need to understand they, are, they will be and are already part of, of this spiritual war. Uh, and hopefully, kids, you're, you're, you're not just targets, you're, you're enemy combatants. So how can, how can you be delivered from evil as, as children? Well, you, as children, set this rule in your heart to obey your parents in everything. 
That the, the enemy is going to, to try and get you to, to not want to obey your parents in something. There's going to be something. There, the, the enemy is not an idiot. He's not going to try and get you to disobey your parents in everything. It's too obvious of an attack. Right? Uh, it was take a bite of the apple, not burn the garden down. So the enemy, the enemy's, the enemy is not, not stupid. He's not going to try and, and, and tell you, hey, just don't do anything they say. Because you're like, whoa, where is this coming from? But it will happen in the something. But if you, so that's why if you've already got that standard in place that I obey my parents in, in all, and I obey my parents in all, not just because they deserve it and not just because they're right which is what we get into. We like to do the all after they've answered the why, right? Uh, I will do the all when you tell me the why. Uh, but if you already set the standard, I obey my parents, not, not because I understand it or not even because they've given me a good reason, but I obey my parents in all because that pleases the Lord. If that's the standard that is driving you, when I obey my parents in all, there is not a preference that you have that I assume you would pick above pleasing the Lord. And if you know it, please, Lord, when you obey your parents and all, then you will default to obeying your parents. You will not default to why, and you will certainly not default to no. Because if your desire is to please the Lord, you know, it pleases the Lord when I obey my parents in, in all. And if you do that, then there's going to be no foothold for the devil uh, to get to you or to get to your family through you. Understand that as well. Children, your, your obedience to your parents is, is a matter of spiritual warfare. Either you're obeying and that pleases the Lord, or you're not obeying and that pleases the evil one. But adults, like I said, you're not exempt either from honoring your parents and that requirement. The, the Bible says that older children also have a responsibility to their parents and that how they treat their parents uh, pleases the Lord in 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5, uh, starting in verse 3. Uh, so if you're an adult, how do you, you know, that's the question. How do I honor my parents? I'm not in their house anymore. Do I, do I not have to honor them anymore? What does that, uh, what the, does that look like? And, and though it is, it's not by obedience, it is still an issue that's important to the Lord for you. But look at, look at uh, chapter 5, go down to verse 3. Honor widows who are truly widows. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. You jump down to verse 8. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So, so again, adults aren't under their, their parents' roof anymore. They don't have to obey them as children but they still have obligations to them. Here we see that they honor them by, by paying back, it says, some of the care that the, their parents showed in raising them. And notice the obligation isn't just the kids. The obligation also goes to the grandchildren. So if you have grandparents, right? So uh, uh, if, you're, if you're a child who has, has parents and uh, you're an adult with parents or you're, you're, you, you're a grandchild who has, has grandparents, obligation is even for them. Uh, providing for your, your parents or, or grandparents in their old age is part of a, he says, a Godward life. This let them first learn to show, it says godliness, but I think godwardness is a, is a better translation. Uh, show a pursuit of God, a godwardness to their own household uh, and, to, and to make, uh, uh, make some return to their parents for this is pleasing in the sight of God. Now this is a different word for pleasing than what we've seen like in 2 Timothy 2, but, but it's a parallel word. 
It's a word that has a very similar idea. So it pleases the Lord uh, when we love our brothers uh, by honoring our parents, both as children and as adults. That that's part of spiritual warfare is how you treat your parents. And that's true whether you're a child or an adult. Both of those are things that are pleasing uh, uh, to the Lord. So, so what can we do uh, with these truths? What sort of, what sort of uh, uh, uses can we get from this and, and must we get from it? Uh, well, here's what we must do and what we've already pledged to do at the beginning of the service when we said that all the Lord has spoken, we will do. Uh, if you said that and meant it, or even if you said it and didn't mean it, you're still obligated to it. Um, you must be, we saw you, you must be a, a man driven by brotherly love, not lust. You must be uh, an honest man. You must be a faithful man. You must be a caring man. Christians should be the most caring people in the world. And I got to tell you right now, that's, that's really easy to do. It's really easy to, to be the most caring in, uh, in the world. And, and not just because they want to be like Jesus. Although that should be one of the reasons you want to be caring. But also because they want to be delivered from evil. And it is not just a matter of imitating the Lord, but also a, a matter of avoiding the evil one. That we want to be caring because that is part of protection against or in spiritual warfare, both protection and advancement. So it must be known that when a brother or sister uh, has needs, you will sacrifice to meet that need. And taking care uh, of that brother and sister to to a point that they are well supplied, well supplied and more, Paul says, is a is a sacrifice. Yes, it is a sacrifice on your part, but it is a sacrifice that is pleasing to the Lord. You don't think the oxen that were pleasing sacrifices to the Lord, you don't think that cost the people then? You don't think the sacrifices that they gave cost them to give it? Of course, it's pleasing the Lord. That's why they, they did it. It's one of the reasons they did it. Well, it's pleasing the Lord when you sacrifice by caring for a brother or sister. When you uh, give to the point of sacrifice, it pleases the Lord. And if you want to be delivered from evil, it must be a sacrifice that you are willing to make if it comes up. Now, it doesn't mean that uh, every situation uh, and every sacrifice is one that you have to make, but it does mean when the situation does come up that you are willing to meet that need, that you care, and you will do whatever you can do to meet the need and to make the person well-supplied. Uh, you know they can make it. You're not just going to go up to them and say, hey, I think your problem is content. Now, I've been in enough situations where, look, one of the things I have to do as a pastor is go up and say, hey, I think your problem is contentment. <laughs> I don't think your problem is your need that you can listen and say, I really, well, you might need that, but your real problem is just contentment. You don't really, and which was it no one ever wants to hear. You don't, we don't really need that. Uh, uh, you go, yeah, what you need is contentment. And, and often if we have contentment, that'll, that'll address a lot of issues. But there are times where, uh, contentment, a person can get through it, but we can help supply in a way that they don't have to feel the, the measure of the stretching that they, that they have to go through. That's what Paul said. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, yet it was kind of you to share in my troubles. They didn't need to. They didn't have to. You could have made it without them. But it was kind of you to care for me in this way and to care richly for me. 
Such a sacrifice, Paul said, is pleasing to the Lord. And so if we want to be pleasing to the Lord, we want to please the one who enlisted us, then we must be uh, caring uh, men. You must be caring. You must honor your parents. And children, I talked to you for a little bit. Let me, let me talk a little bit more there. Uh, and just show us. Children, you are not exempt from this battle. You are not exempt from this question of spiritual warfare or needing to be delivered from evil. And I'm not just talking about when the lights go out at night, right? I'm just talking about from boogeymen and stuff like that. Satan will use you, kids. Satan will use you as a means to enter your home and to bring it down on your own head. He will use you. He can get into your home, your household of your parents that you love and your siblings. He can get into that home through you. And in doing so, create a situation where that house falls in on its own head and on your head. He will use you. He will use you to separate your parents. He will use you to tear apart the love between siblings. He will use you to steal the joy in your home. He will use you to do any of those things if you let him. You are not a spectator in your parents' war. You are a combatant in the kingdom war. Whether you feel like you should be or not. Satan does not hold to an age of accountability. He will come after you. He cares not about the millstone tied around his neck. How important is obeying your parents, kids? If you obey them, it is pleasing to the Lord and you are preparing yourself to be delivered from evil. If you don't, evil already has you. And children, I can't stress how important this is enough and how the devil uses this tool to work wickedness in you. We've got this list of house rules for Christians, but this issue of obeying parents is also listed in in great sins. Remember those lists of great sins? Let me just read a couple of those. In that list of great sins in Romans chapter 1. They didn't cease fit to acknowledge God. God gave them up to debase mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents. You think this is not a great working of evil when the evil one gets you to disobey what your parents say, whispers in your ear, you don't need to do that. Why would you do that? Surely. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. But understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. For example, people will be lovers of self, lovers of money. So lovers of self, not lovers of others. Lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents. Ungrateful. Unholy. Kids, you obeying your parents is not a minor thing. You obeying your parents and obeying your parents to the standard the Lord sets. It doesn't just please the Lord when you obey your parents. It pleases the Lord when you obey your parents in all. Set that standard for yourself in all. Don't, your parents are going to teach you that standard and discipline you if you don't follow that standard. But teach that standard to yourself. I obey my parents in all. Let that be the default. That be your default. Not why be your default. Not no be your default. Not uh, be your default. But obedience. Because 
that pleases the Lord. And parents, understand, as cute a little bugaboos as they are, your children who are not obeying you are opening your home to spiritual attack. This is why it's absolutely essential that you discipline your children. Because if you don't, not only will it bring death to them, it will bring death to your house. They are soldiers who in that moment have abandoned their post. You must be quick and diligent to deal with a disobedient child and not put it off and not put it off and not think, oh, it's just going to be so much to go through. When you're doing that, that point in your home is an open point for the activity of the evil one. And you put it off and you put it off and you wonder, how did we get in this situation? When, you're, when your children are not obeying, it is a matter of spiritual warfare. And let, not just children here, fathers. Fathers, let me, especially, because in, in those same passages that tell children that obeying parents is pleasing to the Lord, there is in each one of those passages, immediately followed by that, a call for fathers to do something. For fathers to not provoke their children. Two things here. Fathers, it is primarily your job to create an atmosphere in the home that encourages obedience rather than discouraging it. It's very poignant that it says, it doesn't say, it says children obey your parents. And then it doesn't say parents uh, don't provoke your children. It says fathers. I think that's important. Fathers, you have a very important job in this. In creating that environment. So so how do you do that? Well, in Colossians, it says, don't provoke them lest they be discouraged. Lest they be discouraged. The word there for discouraged is a great Greek word. Greek words are always better than our English words tend to be. The word there for discouraged is without breath. Lest they be without breath. Don't take the wind out of your children all the time. Don't be a gut punch to your children. In Ephesians, it tells us that they're to do this by nourishing them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So don't take their breath away. Instead, nourish them. The father's job is to be the disciplinarian. But that doesn't mean the punisher. It means the discipler. You must be the feeder and not the provoker or the one who takes the wind out of your kids. If your kids are going to please the Lord by obeying you, you have a job, fathers, in creating an environment that encourages rather than discourages obedience. And in fact, doing so is a matter of spiritual warfare. If your job, if you're always the mad dad and mom does all the nourishing and all you do is the punishing then you're opening the door in your home for spiritual attack because the fathers are the ones who are supposed to be the nourishers. You're opening the door. If you're not nourishing and all you're doing is you're, you're coming in and your job is to walk in and knock the wind out of whatever was going on. And you're not doing any nourishing. What you're doing is you're opening your home for spiritual attack. Spiritual attack against your wife. Your wife will get worn smooth out against your kids, against yourself. So fathers... Guard your kids and help them 
to obey you in everything. See your job as absolutely essential. Right after it says, children, obey your parents, it latches on to us fathers and says, do this. Don't, knock, don't provoke them by knocking the wind out of them. Don't provoke them. Instead, nourish them. Feed them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So that's with the obeying. But the other one we saw, parents, though you don't have to obey or submit to your parents, you do still have to honor them. And so one of the things we've got to recognize in in spiritual warfare is that the honor that the Bible specifically points out here is honor that comes in terms of taking care of your parents in their old age. Uh, That is an honor, uh, a way that we honor our parents that is a matter of spiritual warfare. It pleases the Lord, it says, and is part of a Godward life for us to care for our older parents. And that's true for grandchildren as well. There's an obligation to care for those who have invested so much in our lives, to honor them by sacrificing on their behalf, as they sacrificed on our behalf for so many years. Again, such actions are pleasing to the Lord and therefore part of delivering you from evil. And look at what the passage said about those who don't take care of their parents and grandparents. How, how big of a deal is it? What did it say? Those who don't have abandoned the faith and are worse than an unbeliever. That's how important that is. I mean, you think this is a matter of spiritual warfare? Paul certainly thought that it was. We are required to take up all of these tools and do them. We must honor our parents. We must be good children throughout our years. Not just being good kids, but being good soldiers that fight the good fight. So again, all of the things that we've looked at are what the Lord says are pleasing. And these are things that uh, Christ did, the life that he lived. We're to imitate him in them. Uh, And also, because we know the evil one wants us. And we want to be delivered from him. Well, your captain has told you how to live. Love your neighbor. How do you do that? Brotherly love, not lust. Honesty. Faithfulness, caring, and honoring them. Honoring your parents. Those are ways that the Lord says, you love each other like this, you love one another like this, and this pleases me. This pleases the one who enlisted you. This makes you a good soldier. A good soldier is the one who will be delivered from evil. Let's pray. As we take time to think about what the Lord has told us in his word, how as his children, as his children, wanting to obey our Father, our Heavenly Father. How do we obey him in all things? He has shown you the type of care that you need to have for others. Is that the level of care that you have? Do you care, but only upright before the level of sacrifice? Do you even have trouble caring for people because it takes too much of your time? much less your stuff. What level of caring for a fellow soldier are you giving? Are you, are you wanting other fellow soldiers to, to find out how just, how just far they can go, how far they can be stretched before you care for them? Or are you saying, whatever I have, whatever I have, I will, I, will, I will give to help any who are in need. Any of my brothers and sisters in need, I, I care for them. I care for them in my heart and I care for them in my life. 
Is that the level of caring that you have? Are, 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 are you ready for that? Because if not, if not, then you will have brothers and sisters here that, that Satan will stretch to the edge and you who are meant to mediate that will leave them and force them to endure what they don't have to endure. Will you be a good fellow soldier in caring for your brothers and sisters? Will you commit that to the Lord now? Will you say, God, all of my things are your things. And all of these people I love. Show me how to care for them. How about honoring your parents? Children, how are you in obeying your parents in all? Pleases the Lord when you do. I mean, maybe you're really great in obeying your parents in, in some or even in most. But do you obey your parents in all? Is that the standard you set? Is your standard I'll obey in, in all because it pleases my God? If you want to be a good ready soldier, that's where you need to be at. That's, that's, that's the standard you need to give yourself. Not I'll obey my parents when it's something I already want to do. Not I'll obey my parents when it seems like something fun. Not I'll obey my parents most of the time except in this one issue or this one thing. No, obey your parents in all. Because if you don't, kids, if you don't, it's not just the scary things under your bed you need to worry about. There is an evil one looking to come at you and to destroy you and to destroy your home through you. Do not think you are exempt from the battle. He does not exempt you. Obey your parents in all things that pleases the Lord. And uh, children, grown children, adults, you still have an obligation to honor your parents as well. How are you honoring those who, uh, as uh, Paul said, those who, uh, how are you helping them make some return on what they've done for you? See the way you treat your grown parents, even your grandparents, as a matter of spiritual warfare, a matter of doing something pleasing to the Lord. And so you will go and you will honor the fire out of your parents. Why? Because you hate the devil and you love the Lord. Not just out of sheer obligation, not out of guilt, not out of what will people think if I don't, but because the gates of hell will not prevail. And the gates of the kingdom will not be shut. And so you honor your parents by providing for them in their times of need, lest you deny the faith and be worse than an unbeliever. Christians, we have great, great calls here. Normal areas of life where we can obey normal things that are not just manners for us, that are not just good character traits but are combat maneuvers. They're actions that we're taking against the evil one. The Lord God has been so good to enlist us into this war. He has sent his son to be and do all of these things so that we can, instead of being in the kingdom of darkness, can be in the kingdom of that son and be given this task, not just in defending against the evil one, but in crushing the head of the evil one. That, that he would crush the serpent's head under our feet as we soldier the way he calls us to soldier. 
So may we do these things that are pleasing to the Lord. May that motivate us to want to be all of these things. To want to imitate our Christ. And just, as Paul said, to do them more and more. As he says in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge the Lord Jesus that you receive from us how you ought to walk and please God. This is your doing, that you do so more and more. For that indeed what you're doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia, we know this, but we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more. As we set this out and say, this is what's pleasing the Lord, you wouldn't just say, okay, what's that base level of pleasing that I need to do? But you go, I want to be more and more, I want to be more and more honest. I want to get further and further away from pagan lesson, deeper and deeper into brotherly love. I want to be, I want to be more faithful in everything that I say. I want to do it. I don't want to say it. I want to, I want to do it so that everyone knows that I keep my word and I, I never vow anything that, I, that I'm not going to do. I want to be caring and as caring as I, as I can be and be more and more caring. I want to be more caring today than I, was, than I was yesterday because God has called me to be caring and my prayer is that I'll be even more caring as I grow in life and that I would honor my parents. Hopefully I'm honoring them now, but I honor them more and more. And that we do all these things in great confidence. It's a long list of things that we've looked at for what is pleasing to the Lord. How in the world can we be these things? Hebrews tells us, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 21. He will equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight. The Lord will work in us that which is pleasing in his sight. How does he do that? Through Jesus Christ. To whom be glory forever and ever. God is through Christ working these things in you. As you heard them in his word today, your father was doing what fathers are called to do. He was not just knocking the wind out of you and saying, look how uncaring you are. Look how disobedient you've been. He's nourishing you. These texts are meant to feed you. To grow you up. Into a greater, greater likeness of His Son. Have great confidence. Great confidence. That God will do His will in you. Working in you. That which is pleasing in His sight. Through Jesus Christ. Father, we come to you today, and Lord, we've looked for weeks, weeks at things that you've, you've just said are pleasing you. And Father, we know we could add so many more things to that list, but these are just things that you, you've told us, this is pleasing to me. And we as good soldiers, we know that a good soldier desires to do, uh, or to please you, that our aim, what we're pointed at is to, is to please you. And so, Father, we've seen what is pleasing you. So now we know where to direct our lives. We know where to point our lives. We know the things when we could be so helter-skelter in life and be going after so many things. On Well, what's God's will? What should I do? How can I be better? We know this pleases you and this pleases you and this pleases you. And we can set our sights on those things and have directives and direction. And so, Father, I, I'm so thankful for that. 
And Father, I want to do these, as Paul says, I want to do these more and more, as churches already were doing, as the the Thessalonian church was already doing. They were doing them and then doing them more and more. And yet Paul prayed that they do them even more and more than the more and more that they were doing, Father. There's an excitement, God, in seeing these things and knowing you've shown us what pleases you and we're going to pursue those things and pursue them more and more and more. And as we do so, uh, that will grow. Just the, the fact that we are pleasing in your sight, it will, it will encourage us and glorify you. And Father, we want that. So thank you for this list. And thank you for the chance to go more and more into them. And thank you, Father, that we know that you have revealed these things, this will. You've revealed them so that we might know them and do them. And that we'll do them because you will work these things in us through Christ. That his work in our hearts to save us, didn't end there. That that good work will carry on until completion, until perfection. Until we're mature. He will work that in us. And so in confidence, we claim we're soldiers. We look at where we're supposed to look, but we know that the one who enlisted us is still the one who guides us and grows us and works these things in us. So our confidence is not in ourselves lest we be overwhelmed, lest this list be just a punch in the gut and we leave here without breath. How can I do these things? I have failed so much. But instead, your word feeds us and nourishes us and points us in the way that we should go and causes us to go there. Thank you, Father, for your work that you began and that you continue to do, not just to make us soldiers, but to make us good soldiers, pleasing in your sight. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.